everyone truly is learning on the fly how to navigate this space really effectively and safely within the confines of what the SEC dictates these products really are. Again, they're products. They're not assets. They're, they're not investment vehicles. So uh, to answer your question, how do you explain this to someone outside the crypto industry? It's a VIP ticket. It's a VIP membership. You are in a membership group. You're in a loyalty rewards program. And that ticket is an asset on the blockchain that's transferable. 100 NFTs and all my crypto is green. I'm watching Gary V on TV. What do you mean? She wear Gucci and Louis, but her favorite Celine. My old school is old, but I keep that shit clean. Welcome to another episode of Curated by Quantstam. On today's show, we have three exceptional human beings. Michael Simpkins, co-founder and CEO of 11 Partners that owns 11 Miami Ultra Club and 11 Residences. Chris Adamo, membership director of 11 Captains Club, which is an exclusive collection of 1,111 Captains NFTs with real-world flex. And Greg Norman Jr., founding member of LinksDAO and CEO of Europa Labs. In this episode, we cover a lot of topics around status and providing unique experiences with, NFT, with NFTs. Everything from perks of being an owner of a golf course, buying a condo with crypto in 11 residences, what it means to be an 11, Captain Club, 11 Captain's Club holder and its perks, and so on. I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. I'll start with you, Michael. Um, as a nightclub owner, and probably the, be and the best in the business, and being an early in crypto industry, I'm just curious how you think that NFTs will change the game for the NFT, uh, for the entertainment industry, other than ticketing, obviously. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for having us on, Savvy. It's a, it's a pleasure. Good seeing you. And uh, hello to all the listeners out there. We are really excited, you know, to be a direct participant in the Web3 space. We were the first nightclub to accept uh, cryptocurrency. We have two condo towers under construction that accepted crypto, the first pre-development. We bought Board Ape number 11. We use it as our mascot. It's doing music. It's producing music, DJing right now. Um, but we really became a direct participant in May when we launched 11 Captains Club after uh, a long ramp up and working with great individuals. And, um, you know, really excited kind of for our entry into Web3. Um, you know, we offer tremendous utility uh, for our community, both in real life and also Web3 um, things. And, you know, it, it, it really has um, brought our community closer to us, you know, um, took our guest, uh, you know, we refer to all the people that visit the club as guests and made them more stakeholders and community members over there. And I see a lot of other hospitality brands exploring um, entering into this. And there are hospitality brands that are using it as a vehicle to finance future ventures. Also, uh, we are really the only major hospitality group to be using it. Um, and I think a lot of people are paying attention, waiting for the NFT market to kind of strengthen. And we're really excited to be building during this time. So uh, as we come out the other end, you know, we hitting our stride big time. You know, I have a little bit of backstory. So I, I, I've i been into advertising world for quite a while. Like I, like, you know, I, I did spend over $50 million in advertising and I'm retired advertiser now. And I had a friend who owns a club and just for fun, he asked me once to like, you know, do some advertising for a club. And it was probably the hardest thing I'd ever done. Uh, it's insane because it's not as direct response. You just can't be like, hey, here's a discount. You can come in, right? Clubs work very differently where it's a lot about like, like status is out of play, right? And and I, I, I've been seeing some things you, you guys did. Like, for example, um, for your IG story, I saw like something where you had a contest winner. He got to meet the Ja Rule and got to meet Ja Rule and, and you had him like on a big like poster on the on the club. And I was, I'm sure it felt great, right? And and we kind of talk about this quite a bit within our uh, community that where I feel like a lot of artists are doing things where, you know, you get example, you get an entry, but but, but it's not as it's not as intimate, right? Whereas something as simple as when you go to a club and some and a and a, and a uh, manager or an owner buys you a drink, it's not about the drink; it's about that you know like you're recognized, basically, right? And and so where I'm going with this is, um, I'm just wondering for the intimate experiences, 
how feasible is that to do for a thousand people? And I'm also guessing there is probably entitlement because once you do it for somebody once, the people like they expect it again, right? So how do you think about that? Fortunately, not everybody utilizes uh, visits the club on the same night. So, you know, we have our clubs about 14,000 feet. It's the highest grossing nightclub per foot in the world. But we really have to um, maximize, you know, every square inch because there's tremendous demand. Um, it's been growing and growing in popularity every year. We host the biggest performers there. Um, so in regards to the community visiting, we get uh, good utility and good usage from people. And when they come, there is things like you mentioned, the owner's buying them a drink. You know, we have a big LED screen and it may on any given night say, you know, savvy, Welcome back to 11, 11 loves you, um, and looking to do, you know, intimate, uh, special um, experiences that, you know, kind of uh, only, only available through Captain Club sort of experiences. One more thing that I, you know, when I was looking at, Chris, I'll direct this to you. One more thing I was looking at when, you know, talk about Captain's only events. How do you think about the networking angle in the future? Yeah, that, that, that's at the core of what NFT community is really about, or you get to be around other individuals that are like-minded and be able to connect with them at a fundamental level because you own a shared interest, you own a shared asset, uh, a product from a company that you can display, that you could be part of, that you're proud to be a part of. So within you know, the, you know, the early stages of this, it's Discord and Telegram where we get to connect with folks uh, from there, you could branch out and have individual conversations with the individuals and see where the conversation goes, could lead to partnerships, could lead to collaborations, could lead to investment opportunities, could lead to friendships. I think that is the core of every NFT community. And the fact is that 11 Miami already has established itself as a brand with a reputation of folks of all walks of life like to go to be part of something unique and different arguably one of the best nights of their life for some folks. Um, so when you have the jaw rules associated with it, and then, you know, next weekend or over Labor Day weekend, you have what 50 being at the club, you have dead mouse going to be at the club. You have that access to these individuals, these folks uh, just promoting an asset that's tradable on the blockchain. That's pretty cool. Uh, so from there, um, whether it be captains only events, whether it be collaborations with our communities. You know, as I say that, that's a beautiful thing about this technology is because you can collaborate with a target focused market. You know, they're going to enjoy your product from day one because they're like-minded because you can see what they're about because that's what the community is about. So whether inviting in other communities, whether growing our, our current community, there's so many fun things to do. And the fact of the matter is no other no other NFT collection out there has the venue and has the capabilities of pulling these off like Eleven does. Other than the crypto people, are you also, um, how are you convincing people like, you know, who are also like who visit clubs quite often, but are not in the crypto space? How are you making them kind of, how are you approaching to them for the Captain's Club, I guess? Yeah, we so more than half of the folks that bought the NFT was the first time they ever actually bought an NFT or even used crypto. So we had a team of like five people that were working around the clock for a whole month, doing the onboarding, covering them from mint day, basically, you know, getting folks who are, you know, already well off and should be playing in this world, getting them familiar with, with the crypto idea. So, and we think that's the first step into web three as decentralization happens. And, you know, this is like the best version of a, of a golf club membership that you ever could dream of because the folks that, you know, maybe never thought about joining a club like this have joined it. Uh, I mean, you know, if you can combine like celebrity with people who have access to, to capital and then the, the, the creatives, that's when a lot of things happen, like culture with tech and, 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 and money is when things get really interesting. That's what our thesis is that exact, you know, that cross section. And we think that having an environment like 11 and the future things that we're doing around like entertainment, you know, once you have fun and you get to, to someone on a different level than just business, things start to really spark off. So. We're pumped to see that happen in, 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 in IRL, you know, in our own things and other ones around the world. Um, are these guys, they're probably not in the Discord channel though, right? So how do you, how do you communicate with them? So yeah, we started a, a Telegram chat to get folks <laughs> on Discord into there. And then we're doing things more, you know, intimate. They asked us, hey, you know, 
one-to-one okay meet someone in the group and was doing a lot of like, like personal matchmaking which you know that takes a granular kind of like work but i think we can do it with only like a thousand people in a group so it's manageable at this point for us to do that in a very hand-to-hand combat and we're happy to do it because people do want things to be done you know direct a lot of times and, and, we, and we respect that and we're also good at that you know for our past eight years of being a club we've been very good at doing that one thing as well so we understand how it, how it means to give like next level hospitality and doing the extra stuff that most folks don't want to do yeah and sadly i just like to say i mean not everyone is physically located in miami and we've hosted events in las vegas austin and new york in addition to miami already so while most people have some connection these days uh pass through at some point to miami you know we're doing other other things and and kind of uh getting the community together with networking that even if you're not a visitor to miami there's still a lot of value that you could get from the 11 captains club. Miami, talking about Miami as a, it's a very crypto friendly city from the mayor to tax regime, right? Uh, city attracts crypto and web natives. What are some of the ben- benefits of having a club in Miami as compared to like New York or any other city for that matter? I mean, 11 could only exist in the United States in Las Vegas, New York, or Miami. Um, those are the only markets that support the, um, sales volume that's required to put on the show that we do um, night in and night out. Um, Miami uh, is really unique. We're located in an area of downtown that is a 24-hour district. So for the, until the pandemic, we were open 24 hours, 365 days a year, never closed. Now the hours have been modified with finding it harder for employees. So we have to close at 10, 11 a.m. or so, but uh, um, it's still, uh, you know, a people come to Miami uh, for a lot of reasons. Before it was really for the sun and fun. Now people are finding that they're able to work and network and there's some really smart people building and starting businesses here. Um, that's been a, a great change over the last few years. And it didn't just start during the pandemic. Um, Chris and I, and a group of a lot of stakeholders, to be honest, over the last 10 years have been putting in efforts with the Knight Foundation, with Endeavor Miami, Refresh Miami, all these stakeholders that have kind of been encouraging, um, bringing tech to Miami, bringing higher paying jobs. And I think that the kind of groundswell really took off with the mayor's tweet and the mayor has been a champion for the cause but it's been over a decade in the making uh, to bring tech to South Florida. We're starting to see places like, you know, I'm going to butcher the names, uh, Ushua and Inabiza and Hayabiza also getting into NFTs. Um, as more clubs start to do this, how do you think about offering unique experience for clients versus other clubs and, and stuff? I mean, we're thinking a lot about collaboration. So the more we hear more cl- the clubs that are doing it, the first thing I think is like, you know, we should do something with them. Um, you know, we should collaborate and have different, uh, different access for our communities to each other's venues. So it's really exciting. It's only a matter of time before all venues go this way. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate. It's hard to change your operational practices and procedures. There's risk associated with it. Um, so I understand companies, groups taking their time to study it and understand it. Um, but eventually I think everyone's heading in that direction. I heard you say in an interview, like, you know, we are hearing from the community what they want and like, you know, we're trying to do that. Is there something that you're, um, like from your chats and discord or people you're talking to something that you're hearing that you're, you guys have like, kind of, you know, like we should focus towards this or anything like that. Like that's been kind of coming out of research, I guess. People want more in real life meetups, not necessarily only at the nightclub, hmm. but through other experiences. So something yep. we've been talking about, Greg has a wakeboard park in Palm Beach. So that was a recent conversation that we should do something with a captain's club, for example, and at uh, the shark uh, wakeboard. Uh, shark wake park. Dark yeah. wake park. Um, so that's one example, but I would say people want more interaction you know, and we're listening. Initially, the Captain Club members 
didn't get into the club for free. People wanted it. Now they're getting in for free. So, um, you know, listening to the community and trying to deliver the utility that they're looking for. Uh, Greg, kind of tying this in, do you see a crossover happening between like Eleven and LinksDAO? You know, we talked about uh, Miami, for example, is an epicenter of tech, as we just talked about. Uh, Art Basel is coming around and Web3 communities across the world are coming in there to experience Art Basel because at the core of NFTs is art. And um, a lot of communities are coming involved. So while the world is going to be down here, we're talking about how we could collaborate with LinkSell, how we can collaborate with Board API Club and Cuttercat and all these different communities out there to share experiences. So, you know, we, you know, our community could share experiences with their community. We get to understand them. They get to understand us, collaborate and mix and mingle. Maybe our members would go buy a gutter cat. Maybe a gutter cat would go buy a uh, captain's club so they could experience the other and get to know each other. I think it's, it's wildly important to have these in real life meetups, even though this is web three and this is, you know, digital landscape and metaverse, we still got to have these experiences shared in real life to create amazing connections. And that's usually where people have the most memories, best memories from these in real life meetups. You know, you still hear stories from today of the Board Ape Yacht Club's Ape Fest from two years ago, not just the one that just happened in NFT NYC, because folks who got to be really close online finally get to experience each other in real life and get to be create these lifelong memberships, friendships, I should say. So yeah, I think um, as Michael put it out, as more and more people come online to Web3, as more NFT communities come in, it's about collaboration. It's about mingling. It's about inviting people in and sharing those experiences. Makes sense. Um, I, I heard, I just saw a tweet the other day, uh, Greg, on uh, LinkStyle, where you guys were talking about you're close to buying a golf course. Uh, first of all, if you, I don't know if, I, if there's something you can share or not. How how much is to buy a golf course? Like, how much does it usually? Oh, it depends. Um, COVID was the best thing in the world for golf. <laughs> it got people back outside, one of the only sports available for people to go play. So COVID was a golfing boom, to be honest with you. And so pre, uh, sorry, post the 2008 global financial crisis, you could pick up golf courses for pennies on the dollar because they were all shutting down. Uh, just a little bit of history there. Uh, early 90s, you could lend money for basically nothing to go build a golf course. And golf courses were built on mass scale and oversupplied the market in order to sell houses on green grass. So there's a ton of supply out there and not as much demand to meet that supply. So as the global financial crisis hit, golf took a hit and golf courses started closing down because it couldn't maintain operations because it costs roughly about a million dollars on average to maintain a golf course a year. Sometimes way more <laughs> out in the desert, it costs about a million dollars a year in water. Uh, so um, with COVID, with the spike of the golfing boom, these golf courses were getting snatched up like crazy, sometimes by developers to just sit on them and wait for the entitlements to re-hit in order to develop real estate back on them. Um, so that would became a vital, very expensive item out there in the market. So LinkStow hit just after COVID, so just after the boom. So it became very hard to find a golf course, let alone a golf course that's affordable, that's close to everybody. Because you can't have the golf course in the middle of nowhere where no one's going to get to or be able to get to. So it takes some time. It takes a lot of time, actually, especially if you're trying to buy a golf course that is in the top 100 in the world, or at least in the United States. Those are very expensive items now. When I was reading about it, you know, um, it was kind of saying that, you know, we have evaluated... 11 courses now, or we're trying to finalize it basically. Right. And, and one question that obviously like kind of Michael mentioned as well, um, about location, right? Like when you are based out of one place and when the entire audience is international or, or national, how do you think, well, how do you think about like, if I'm an owner in the course, I can, if I'm not in the city, you get the course in, how does that work? How does it work for people who are not from that city one? And I also saw that it said over there, you know, you get access to hundreds of public and private golf courses. I'm guessing it's something it ties into that, but I, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I'll start with the partnerships. So across the landscape of web three and NFTs, you see big, big brands tiptoeing into this space rather than taking the full leap into it and starting their own NFT collection. Uh, the best case studies out there is Nike versus Puma. So Nike bought artifact and now they are a behemoth in the space generating 185 million dollars in nft sales then you have puma 
which partnered with a bunch of different collections to figure this whole thing out, uh, to figure out what it takes to launch a collection, to figure out what community space is building like, to just understand it. And that's worked well for them too. So then you have LinkStyle. LinkStyle obviously launched a collection. It's fully baked into it. And then you have, well, when that launched, it created a global sensation within our golf world. Holy shit, there's LinkStyle. Here it is. It made 10.5 million after 18 days of going live. That's crazy. Then you have a tight-knit group of folks that love golf and love NFTs. You could directly market to them. So light bulbs go off with endemic sponsors with that industry. And Callaway comes in and purchases a portion of equity into LinkStyle through the Series A. Fantastic move by Callaway, and I do applaud them for that. Callaway has always been the forefront of technology. Uh, they are one of the largest investors in Top Golf, for example, and a lot of their revenue comes from Top Golf. So, what that does is allows these endemic brands to be able to directly connect with those community members and offer them discounts and offer them products and services that you can't get unless you're in that NFT community. So, it allows folks to be able to then attach themselves to that brand. Because you're a LinkStyle holder, you get X percentages off Callaway clubs. Because you get X percentage of Callaway clubs and because Callaway supported LinkStyle, you're most likely going to create fans for life. So it's a win-win across the board. With that being said, though, like same question that I kind of asked, you know, Mike and Chris about like club uh, space, same thing with golf. Like, you know, as we're targeting crypto people, as you guys are targeting crypto people, um, how do you think about like, you know, people who are who play golf and but are not in crypto? Because I'm sure like, the way I look at it, like, you know, when you're owning a piece of like a um, piece of the golf course, it's more about the status symbol, right? It's like, hey, I'm one of the owners here, right? And 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 I would also say, like, if you, I mean, example would be I own, you know, one out of 10,000 pieces of a Pranksy, right? But, yeah. but my, my story is, hey, I'm on my way to own the real Pranksy. It's just a starting point, right? Similarly, it's a status thing, right? Um, right. And, and, and so I think I kind of feel a similar thing here with golf where, Although, like, I mean, we can talk about this after where, like, you know, really, you're not really an owner because of the way the regulation and security works, right? You can't, you can't, you can't get money, you can't get paid uh, on the sales and whatnot or profits. I mean, so, so how do you, yeah, how do you think about selling that to people who are not in the crypto and NFT world? Right. So the the interesting thing that happened with LinkSouth when it raised the Series A is that it opened up that Series A to its members if they're accredited. Uh, of course, it's not security. NFT is not an ownership in the LLC. The LLC will then go do link style LLC things like acquiring the golf course and not the NFT is not direct ownership of that LLC, thus the golf course. There's a lot of process in the place right now. And and that's what's been very, very fascinating about participating in this is because everyone truly is learning on the fly how to navigate this space really effectively and safely within the confines of what the SEC dictates these products really are. Again, they're products. They're not assets. They're, they're not investment vehicles. So uh, to answer your question, how do you explain this to someone outside the crypto industry? It's a VIP ticket. It's a VIP membership. You are in a membership group. You're in a loyalty rewards program. And that ticket is an asset on the blockchain that's transferable. So say, for example, uh, in the Link style or even Levin Captain's Club situation, you have you get this amazing job or you have something that happens in your family and you have to move to the other side of the world you can't participate in that anymore well with this tech previous well before the tech you just had to eat those costs be part of the membership you'll never have to use it again you have to drop it hopefully you like for a country club for example you had equity into it so you could get that equity out sometimes you don't sometimes you just got to eat the costs and move on well with this tech now you get to actually sell your position in that membership group and be able to recover, hopefully at whatever price the floor is or whatever price someone buys it at, that's what the market to decide. And then you get to move on. So it adds more flexibility. It adds more flexibility to the customer for being part of that membership group. and adds more flexibility to the, the brand or the organization through these different mediums. So for like to find the location now for the golf course, that's it's a great thing about this space because we get to ask our community. We get to create votes. We get to have them vote on it. We get to see where everyone is located to be able to have for best access to that asset, to their country club, which is phenomenal. Right? You get to build alongside your best fan base, which 
is amazing. You don't have to guess anymore. You can literally ask your customers. I would love to actually unpack this a little bit because I heard Mike say this, and if, I think it'd be really good for people who are listening in, um, talking about the corporate entity for the ownership and like and like what and how DAO is separated from it, right? Because DAOs legally can't hold any traditional physical assets, right? So, uh, and that's why you have the corp, uh, the incorporation, the LLC, to deal with that side of things, and DAO is just more like the governance, right, and and, and the voting and whatnot. So. Um... True DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, is where every community member will get to be able to vote on the direction of that organization. Um, when you're dealing with IRL businesses, locations, brands, assets, it's very complicated to allow the entire community to vote on every little thing. Most people don't have the time to be able to digest all the information they need to make rational, logical decisions for best course of action for that organization. So in a way, it becomes like a representative democracy. They vote on folks to either represent them to make those decisions, or those folks are in the executive positions or on the board to be able to make those decisions on best behalf of the organization. And then you can allow the, the DAO side, the participants, the members, to be able to navigate either macro items, such as where the location of the golf course could be, and to... Even best example I could think of right now is, hey, we have X amount of dollars in the, charity, uh, in the treasury. Let's allocate two, three, four, five percent to X charity and do some kind of feel good reach back programs. Who would you like to go participate in that? Let's get a vote. You guys come in. Let's do this. And I think um, and then to a uh, more specific example is ApeCoin DAO, the ApeCoin Foundation, how they everyone voted on having the, the Gazette come in and become the official news source. That's phenomenal. That, that was a really good participant in the community. I was doing a really cool product for the good of the community. So let's make it official. Let's pay them. Let's make sure they're allocated for their work. I think that's the really cool part about this that we get to, again, build alongside the community and the community gets to vote on certain aspects where they can all feel like they are really forming the direction of the brand and the company. And I also heard Mike say that progressively it will get decentralized over time as that as it gets regulation gets better and better, the goal eventually will be like, you know, ideally if it becomes a thing, then you can let the cash flow and whatnot also uh, actually being real owners in in the in the in the profits as well if that becomes a norm that you can kind of move towards that. Or that's kind of the goal. Is that is that correct? I think it'd be it's a beautiful vision. I think we're far away from it. Uh, I think we all want to go there. It, it, the technology allows some phenomenal things to have that done um, far easier than a bank account, far easier than a wire transfer, far easier than all these traditional mechanisms to be able to create these relationships or investment vehicles. Um, but that's a lot of regulation. That's a lot of government and legal entities coming together to be able to form the best structure to protect investors. But I'm a big fan of the idea of getting rid of the credit investor laws so that folks can participate in some of these endeavors. Um, but we live in America and America's got its rules and regulations. We got to abide by it's, it's law. So I always say to every, every person wanting to get into this space, just make sure you are absolutely dotting your I's and crossing your T's because we are so new and we are so small but we are creating a big wake around this world right now, the Web3 world, the crypto world, has a responsibility on our shoulders to make sure that we are doing everything by the book so we can have a long-lasting industry. And I think this industry can grow to so many different facets, but it really is all on all of us right now to make sure that this is handled accordingly. Um, talking about the topic, Michael and Chris, I actually want I, to, I, you know, it's so crazy because I actually read this in, in an article one time. And then when I was doing research for this episode, I found out you guys were the ones who, uh, so, like apartment got sold with the ape coins. So I was like, oh, cool. No, no way I read about it. And um, so it's really cool. But when you guys decided to do that, or like, you know, uh, like let, letting apartments be bought with crypto or, or ape coin or whatever, um, I'm sure there were certain things that, you know, laws perspective or taxes or whatever you had to go through in the hurdles. Yeah, so, so with the condominiums, um, there is rules and regulations and title insurance and, and different issues. So the currency fluctuation 
was a big concern, particularly to the title company when people are putting down 10% towards a condominiums and that's not built. They want to make sure it gets built, that there's money there to complete the project. So we entered into a partnership with FTX that any crypto on their platform were able to accept and they process it and individuals are able to pay utilizing their crypto. Um, but the project does, doesn't necessarily take currency risk. Um, different than in the nightclub. In the nightclub, we also accept cryptocurrency and there we hold the cryptocurrency. Um, we are a participant. We do have exposure to the fluctuations uh, of the market price as compared to U.S. dollars. Um, so two different processes. But I'm guessing the percentage of cash flow versus like with the apartment versus the nightclub is so different that that's a huge risk when it comes to apartment as compared to, you know, a, whole, a little bit of like crypto in the club competitively. Yeah, I mean, for example, we've accepted, um, there's a total of uh, 72 apartments representing about $50 million uh, purchases uh, using cryptocurrency for the for the condos. And I think in the nightclub, we've processed about $7 million. Um, so we typically hold what we what we process in the nightclub and at the at the condo, we convert it. I understand from the from the seller side, right? Because, you know, you guys have a corporation, the money comes in, it's pretty like you, know, you pay taxes, pretty straightforward. From the buyer side, is it more like on FTX basically? Because like, you know, if, if you're buying a huge apartment like worth millions of dollars, you probably have to get KYC and whatnot. So is that more like an uh, FTX thing where you guys don't care if somebody's buying in that way? Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? I think there are, there are certainly uh, regulations um, dealing, dealing with that, what, what you're saying, making sure that the money is there uh, to build the condominium and there is compliance uh, involved both on our end as the developer and on the FTX side. Um, on both sides, there is, and, and, and I've been asked other times, why, would, why does someone pay with crypto? And uh, I think this is just, you know, speculation, but I think it's just cool. I think people have crypto. Some people have accumulated a lot of wealth through their ownership of crypto. And the fact that they're able to utilize that to buy a condominium in, in the hottest neighborhood in downtown Miami uh, is just pretty cool. Also convenience factor as well, right? Like taking the money out, putting in your bank. and then It, it is easier. I mean, we've all dealt with, um, you know, wire transfers, particularly there's, there's also foreigners who are purchasing units that do have difficulty moving money around uh, internationally. So there is a real um, valid reason for certain individuals. Yeah, I, I can give you an example. Like for, like, so we just, I have a startup and we raise investment and um, the, uh, the investors send money through us. I'm a Canadian, I'm a Canadian. So like it didn't, it tried two times the wire balance. It took like 20 days. And after that, I was, like, the guy's like, fuck it, we'll just send you USDC. And that's what, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the, the sales agents would, would have sold the apartment again. We'd be like, no, hold it for Savvy. <laughs> Don't sell his unit. They'd be like, we want our commission. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> um, what do you think of apartment apartments as NFTs? Like, uh, so I think this, again, this is probably long-term, but but like, you know, I can see, I can see a couple of things, like use cases in my mind. One would be like, you know, your kids or your grandkids getting, you know, um, recurring, uh, you know, every time a sale happens, they get a uh, royalty on it, assuming say you, you, you've got your dream apartment built, for example, right? That could be a way I look at it. Other thing I look at it, which is I think too far out, but like I'm originally, I was born in India. You look at like the farmers in India, they get, they get screwed a lot, you know, where uh, there's no there's no land titles, right? But if it's on the chain, again, I think there's an education problem there, and that'll probably be a long time before that happens. But I see a use case. I just wonder, like, when you guys talk about these things in the space, and you guys are the biggest, one of the biggest developers. I, I'm wondering how you think about this, uh, the concepts and the brainstorming that goes through. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. I know Chris talks to a lot of entrepreneurs that are that are also thinking about NFTs in real estate, um, and we're developing more condominium. So it's certainly something we're monitoring. It all comes down to um, title insurance, um, lenders, um, regulation, just recognizing 
this form of transfer of title uh, as compared to recording a deed and going back. So I think there is some, um, you know, some work to do to kind of bridge the gap between the old way, uh, the traditional way, and kind of a, uh, a new mechanism of having the NFT kind of represent the ownership. But I don't know, Chris, are you seeing anything in particular out there? I've seen a bunch of deals as far as the real estate goes to, to leverage NFTs uh, for the sale of them, for the transfer transferability of them. I, really, I saw yesterday an article about a hotel putting their rooms as NFTs to, to then sell on Airbnb. So that's happening as we speak. Oh, wow. They think people are really interested in that idea. Um, again, the legal part of it, I think, is going to be a little bit messy yep. for a while, yep. especially around like title insurance and detransferability amongst local governments. So that's going to be a thing that's probably going to stick for a while. That'll be tough. But I think in the long term, I think the whole world should be the blockchain. Birth certificates, you know, everything, all your things that are basically that you should have ownership of should become, you know, that are public anyway, you know, should be on there and be, and be secure. Yep. So, you know, it's probably the future of that's going to be, you know, long term, but I think, I think we're, we're, we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, I actually just had a conversation with one of the largest hotel chains in the world yesterday about this. And um, it it's everyone has the right idea for sure. Yeah. But what these guys just alluded to, the complications of legality side Makes get sense. very complicated uh, very quickly. So but the, one of the, you know, everyone talks about how the prominence on chain of a product or a service or a piece of real estate, everyone could conceptualize in their head, but it's so hard to move past the legal barriers. And I, but I think we could go tiptoe into the space. And I think NFT sales are a very good mechanism for the pre-sale of an item. So best example I could have in my head is a Cybertruck. Tesla announced a Cybertruck back in 2019. Everyone sat there in line to go to get their position, hundred bucks down. Tesla makes a ton of money, but you're sitting there with what? You're just waiting for the car to come out. And then Tesla is not generating anything else from that. So if you had the pre-sale of those units, the Tesla Cybertruck or the pre-sale of a condo, then the market can dictate where those products are going to send and land. And during that time period, Tesla or the developer can reduce in cash flow from the trading volume happening on the marketplace. Uh, so I think there's hybrid models. I think we will tiptoe into this space pretty effectively um, through the issuance of the digital claim to that unit or to that product as an NFT. And then once the product or the unit is ready to go, you could then claim that product or unit by redeeming it on your by the, with the NFT. I think that, you know, if you think about Instagram as a, you know, what, what people do, right? They go and just like flex on like, you know, I own this or own that or, or their experiences, right? I feel like whatever the version of that will be for showcasing your NFTs, uh, when, when it becomes normal to showcase your NFTs, that would be so interesting because now, or your POAPs apps or whatever, I think it'd be, because then it becomes, it, it you know, even right now, I, I was chatting with someone, someone about this, about charity and I was like, Imagine like you let people show that, hey, I just donated this charity via an NFT and it's, it's normal. All of a sudden now, now, even if you're not doing it for the right cause, you just want to do it for make yourself feel better, but it helps the world in a positive way, right? I wonder like how you think about that, that, that social layer of, of, uh, of NFTs. I think about that a lot. <laughs> I think about it a lot. I think about, uh, I see walking through the airport, people have a badge on their backpack for their status of on American Airlines. Now that should be an NFT and people should be able to level up that NFT to gain more access within an ecosystem. And if they so choose, they'd be able to sell it on an open marketplace after all the time and effort they put into gaining that access into it. So I think we're getting there. I think we're going to see more and more iterations of where this tech is going to go in the upcoming months to years. And we're just, again, everyone right now is exploring how to do it. And it's so fantastic to be participant with uh, folks like Michael and folks like Chris to be able to figure this out in the real time. Uh, Cause that's what it is. And that's what every company out there and every entrepreneur and everyone working in the space is, is figuring it out, out in the real time. And, and that's, what's intoxicating about this space. That's why you want to come back every day. There's always a new problem to work on. Uh, Chris this is illegally probably a shit show, but I would love to get your thoughts on this uh, tokenized, <laughs> tokenized, um, NFT ownership because you know a lot. You, you, most people cannot buy a apartment in you know like 
like Beverly Hills and like or house or in Beverly Hills or an apartment like in South Beach in Miami, right? But but now, but that's where you see the major. That's where the major gains happen, right? But if people are able to buy a piece of that, that eventually they can actually ship, they can actually make money with that or uh, get on that thing. So, how what do you think about that? Uh, I'm sure it's long term, but just wanted I think to it's great. I've, yeah. I've seen ten decks with that same idea for the, in the past three weeks. So everyone's trying to do that. Again, I don't know how it works legally. Uh, I've seen it done before with like things like uh, Wealthfront. They have they've tokenized like not tokenized. They've they fractionalized ownership in a in a property, just like you would timeshare. So the idea already works. So putting in a blockchain is the next step. So it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's inevitable, but the, t- the time frame I think for it to actually like work on lock, I think could be much like longer than we actually think it, it may be. So I've been very you know I've been dancing around it. I haven't really invested in that yet, but we'll see. <laughs> I want to tie this into um, your company, um, um, Greg Europe Labs. Um, you know, I saw that eleven was ticketing for eleven was a case study, right? And if we can dig down how the tech works, because like one thing that, you know, Osley questioned that I'm sure Michael or Chris asked like, hey, okay, how can we make sure that nobody can transfer a ticket to a friend, for example, right? And, and show up. I mean, obviously this is a manual way of checking it. Bouncer can check the ID and make sure it's the same person. That's one way to look at it. But I'm just wondering how are you thinking about that from a tech side of things? Yeah, I, I think everyone thinks about how NFTs could be used as ticketing across the board. It makes so much sense. Uh, there's a lot of problems that come in with just actual ticketing on the blockchain because every time you do a transaction in crypto, from fiat to crypto to crypto to fiat, it's a taxable event. You have capital gains tax. So it doesn't really make sense on microtransactions just yet. And I think that's going to come through soon where it all changes. So you got to have verifiable membership is what it is. And so how do you verify membership? Well, we can create that link between that QR code that's linked to the token that's linked to that wallet who generates it. And that is verifiable and that can't be broken. So for example, I come to the club, I generate my code, I walk up to the front door, the front venue scans it, and that then checks on chain that that code is still linked to that token in that wallet. If I then go screenshot that and send it to someone else, well, it's already been checked and verified on chain. So when it goes get scanned again, it's going to show it's been scanned and then going to deny entry. Now, one of the big things to comment on here is that due to the decentralization nature of NFTs and blockchain, anyone can send anyone their token, they could generate it, but they only can have one pass for one token from that wallet or it breaks the link again. So either people are going to risk sending someone three ETH worth of a token to be able to generate it, or they're going to be abide by the rules and they're going to be generating their pass to enter their venue or their their, where they're a membership of to be able to participate in that ecosystem. Um, so there are a lot of different uh, different use cases, different uh, opportunities ahead of us for generating that link between the QR code, the token, and the wallet, uh, whether it be for discounts, whether it be for entry, whether it be for app, whatever you want. Um, so what's been beautiful about this is that working alongside of 11 Miami, now we're dealing with uh, folks coming in about one, two, three o'clock in the morning. So how do we make sure that it is as effective and smooth as possible, not just for the customers, but for the operators as well. And it's gotta be smooth and it works every time for them because they're dealing with so much on the outside of that venue that needs to just work. So we decided to go and build off of um, Apple and what in Google pays APIs. So when you generate the ticket, the, uh, the QR code that just goes right to your Apple wallet or your Google pay. So it acts just like you would with your airline ticket. You walk up, you have your QR code, they scan it at the door, green check mark. Good job, you're in. Red check mark, you try to scan the system, so you're out. And you don't want you don't want drunk guys at 3 a.m. in the morning uh, you know, just making like, why is this not working? And I'm sure like, that's, <laughs> that's an issue there. <laughs> no, no, and what, what we're finding too is where, where it could take us. Uh, reservations, whether it be yeah. reservations at a restaurant, reservations for tea time booking, across the board, because every time that pass is generated, we send out emails to both the operator, or sorry, the operator of the venue, and then the customer as well. So it creates that link, it creates a notification, the venue or the operator gets to know that the individual is coming before, way in advance, or hopefully way in advance, but they could generate it right beforehand too, but they get to have some pre-booking and some some detail of their CRM. That's one thing we yeah. got, the one thing we can't do right now is that we got a pipe 
data into the CRM. We got to get access to APIs and uh, be able to work collectively with the open tables or with the Tixers of the world to be able to intermingle and interoperate between all of them. I'm guessing if, for example, Michael and Chris can track, like, you know, who's coming every weekend and, you know, and, and how often they're coming and, you know, and scanning their code that gives a lot of data behind the scenes, then you can actually do customized experiences for them, right? You can make, you can, you can airdrop them stuff or you can have special, special events for them. And I'm sure like at some point you can probably also tie that in where if you can pay with that as well, now you can actually see who's, how much they're spending and you can actually really go above and beyond to give that individual experience. So loyalty could become a really big thing there. Nailed it, buddy. Nailed it. I think the, the concept of using this technology for NFTs as membership for loyalty rewards programs makes so much sense. Because again, the more the individual interacts with the ecosystem, the more we know on the back end, the more that NFT can level up and yep. gain them further and further access into that ecosystem, further and further connection with that brand. And of course, that NFT in that access will be transferable to the next person that wants to buy that from that individual. So yep. again, like, I'm probably going to make myself like a giant dork here, but it makes me think about World of Warcraft. I used to play it back in the day and I would level up my character and spend all the time and effort to be able to level up my character. And you know, someone just going to come in and, and they have done this is buy a leveled up character already. So they could go do whatever they want to do in the game. And I yep. think NFTs are going to provide that in the real world, how we could level up as we go that ecosystem. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, Michael, we were talking about, or Chris, we were talking about this uh, before, uh, exclusive experiences. So I'll give you an example, which I thought. Um, so I was in a Gary Vee's conference in, in Minneapolis, and Steve Aoki was speaking. And after he said, hey, you guys, I, here, if you have my NFT, come to the event I'm playing today. And I went up there, and I'm like, man, like, this is great, but like, I can just buy a ticket, right? Like, it's not a big deal, right? What, I mean, I rather, in my opinion, I was like, it'd be so cool if I had like a one-on-one -on -one of Sivioki and I get a chance to go up on the stage and throw a kick in somebody's face. Like, that is an experience that I would love to like be a part of, but not just like get an interest ticket, right? I just wonder like, you know, when you guys think about this kind of stuff, like how do you think about innovating in that way on giving these crazy experiences? Like, uh, cause that's yeah. where I feel like that's where it's so, it's so sociable and so, and that memory you would never forget. No, no, absolutely. Chris and I uh, were in Minnesota uh, for that, that conference also. It was really great uh, weekend, really great time. Um, we think about all this stuff a lot, especially particularly what you were talking about uh, with the token gated access, with loyalty programs. I also want to mention, too, that Europa Labs, besides providing our token gated access, we did a physical redeemable NFT for all the Captain Club members that they all got. Uh, a different NFT is redeemable for our hoodie that was only available to Captain Club members. We're thinking through different collaborations and weeks that NFTs could be sent to different collections to experience the benefits of Captain's Clubs and have them have that experience. So uh, great things um, uh, that we're thinking about and Europa is helping us execute on the tech side. Uh, in regards to... Uh, only Captain Club available experiences. We think about that all the time. I, I gave the example of the big LED screen, like, you know, Savvy, welcome back. Eleven loves you. Like, you can't pay to get that. You know what I mean? You only could get certain things. And there'll be uh, certain, you know, experiences will have their own section for Captain Club members, um, parties, um, whether it be at a house or a yacht or, you know, coming in the future, I would say. So... You know, it used to be like I'm a, I'm a member of YPO, so like only in YPO experiences, like looking to do those sorts of things with a captain club as well. Yeah. How do you think about the, because mostly guys in NFT, most people in NFT are guys. How do you think about the male to female ratio in that way? I'm sure you've thought about this. <laughs> Chris, what are you, Chris is, uh, yeah. you know, kind of on top of the membership and the, that, uh, we are focusing we did he did a good job of bringing in a lot of females in the captain's club we are um, we just hired a head of marketing uh yes jules jules goddard so she's gonna lead, lead the way in ambassadoring in all the women of web3 into the 11 captain's club they're pumped about that and uh, i've had very close ties with a lot of the women who have been the 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 figureheads of the movement of onboarding people you know women mostly into web into web3 and nfts and it's just been you know it's early it's young it's only a year and change old so 
you know, we're at a good time to do it. It's not we're too far ahead of ourselves already. It's not that many wallets that have been created where we can't make that gap up. So I think we're much more in a better situation than other industries in as far as the gender gap goes. Uh, and people have fun of all, um, you know, backgrounds at 11. So I, I, Mike and I talk all the time about more than half of people who come to 11 are women. So already the, the demographic there makes sense. So making the club about, you know, more or less about the party and more about the quality, that, that's, our, that's our dream. And I think we're going to help teach a lot of venues how to use this technology and, and this back end for their own use cases and have that real, you know, come together of, you know, utility IRL, but also kind of like the network effects of using it. So we've talked with Greg, I, and then Mike about having like a link to like actual usage. Like if you use it more, the more you get of it. So like tracking that loyalty reward should be a big component of this. And it's a shame that most clubs have never even done that really in a very good way. And this could be like the first time I actually see it actually be like, wow, this is like seen as a thing and it could be very visible because we have the blockchain. To, to show it so it could be really cool um i want to ask one last question because something i i think about this quite a bit so i i had a startup and i went through y combinator and one of the biggest challenges we faced with that startup was, was actually in the loyalty space and one challenge we faced was working with the uh educating the employees or like your your staff right because it was so hard because you know especially when it comes to tech because there was a there was a a lot of times people would show up and, and staff didn't know what to do or didn't care. How do you go about educating the staff with, with new technology? Because that's, I'm guessing it's really hard. It, it is. What I would say is that is challenging. People um, are concerned, you know, the new processes may impact their job in the future, may impact the revenue that they get from it. Um, you know, we, we have uh, included... Um, a lot of our, our key people in, in the captain's club, uh, we make sure no one's hurt financially because some of the utility we're now offering. Um, and we keep them up to date on what's happening in the overall direction of the company and kind of the future and, and what we're trying to accomplish within the space. So overall, um, it's been uh, very positive. Um, I know Greg. Greg is uh, uh, dealing with it, with having the Europa Tech kind of interact with the, you know, the, the staff at Eleven and whatnot. But um, it is a challenge. But I think just clear communication, and particularly talking about what the end goal is with it, you know, has everyone on the same page. You know, to add to that, I think in every technology, whether you Web three or a POS system is hard to onboard your employees to be able to operate the systems effectively. Like at Shark Wake Park, just switching from one point of sale system to another, it takes a gigantic effort for us internally to decide, okay, it might cost us less to switch over this POS, but the time it's going to take for us to have all the employees get onboarded to use this is very difficult, regardless of how good it is. So it really isn't tandem. It is, how is it, the technology and software are going to be evolved and iterate effectively enough where the UX is good for everybody from the consumer to the operators. And I think that's what, you know, that's the hard part. That's the tricky part. Makes sense. Um, I, I, I want to just do one last question before we get into rapid fire. And I want to give a shout out to horizon labs because you know, we got this intro through them. Uh, how, what does the partnership look like for you guys? Yeah. How, how has that been going and how did that whole thing come about? Yeah. So I've actually been friends uh, with Dean Steinbeck uh, since college. And uh, we were talking probably for a year and a half now. And as Horizon Labs kind of evolved, as they landed their, their largest client, Yuga Labs, we talked through kind of what they were going through. And he was the first one really who got me very excited about uh, the use of, of Eleven in the Web3 Captain's Club, then, then talking to you know people like Greg and Chris specifically and others kind of um, expanding our vision for, for the project. But they were very thoughtful and instrumental um, in us thinking through. I think that their team is A plus first class um, they're built really for uh, doing complex projects, but could also um, help brands enter the space um, more on an entry level. So in terms of a Web3 tech partner, um, 
they are, you know, A plus in my book. Amazing. Awesome, guys. Let's do the one last section, rapid fire. We're going to go quick. We'll go, I'll start with like eight or nine questions. I'll start with like, well, one sentence or one, uh, one word, one sentence, and we'll go one at a time. Maybe Chris starting with you, going to Mike and then Greg. Is that good? What's the favorite PFP collection? I really love the guys at, uh, at Goblin Town slash Truth Labs. Mike? You know, I, I'm going to say right now it's very impressive what Proof's doing, so I'm going to give Moonbirds a shout out. Greg? Gang, gang, gutter cat. <laughs> What's one upcoming artist you would like to spotlight? I love uh, Matt Steez. He's great from Brooklyn. He's a good dude. Loves purple. Love his new work. He has that right now. I've been, you know, the Tyler Hobbs, Fidenza. I've been studying those, looking at the market very closely, waiting for the right entry point. Devin Dijardine, he's a fantastic artist about ready to enter the space. Which teams are you most bullish on? Besides what we're doing, I think, and we all think, you know, this is a huge area uh, of growth for Web3, onboarding more people and having it be a part of our everyday life, so. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on the Links Out team. So shout out to Greg and, and Mike and those guys. That's been impressive what you guys have done. There's some phenomenal people at Links Out. There's no doubt about it. Jim, Adam, Cooper, those guys are phenomenal. Sorry. Uh, I got to go with Live Golf. Uh, the, what they've been able to do in a very short amount of time has been phenomenal. It's been really phenomenal. Which projects are underrated or projects? I mean, I worked on the one for Pierre Tunney, and uh, he's working on some cool stuff behind the scenes. I think a very underrated project, Tunney Money. Check it out. Super affordable. Yeah, I would say the Illuminati project uh, that the guys, uh, Goblin Town and Truth, you know, did is is undervalued. Right. You know, I, I'm going to sound like I'm shilling them, but I got to say Gutter Cat again. Uh, they've held incredibly strong during this bear market, and the community is always there. Favorite Twitter account? Well, we, we, we just brought her on as a, a CMO, so I'm going to say yes, Jules. Perfect. Greg, you go. I'm trying to find this handle. Uh, I got to go with Punk6529. He is a very, very influential figure in our space to help guide this to where it needs to be. I'm a fan of JPEG Morgan. May or may not be people we know behind it. Brand, individual, or team uh, you would like to see in Web3? Live Golf. You know, it sounds silly, but Spindrift Water, I'm a huge fan of. I think they've innovated the whole flavored water with putting the real juice. It is a whole differentiator to LaCroix or anything else. These guys need to be in Web3. I'm, I'm really itching for a Goonies NFT. So if someone could bring that back for me, I mean, I would, I would buy everything in that collection. One use case you heard from chatting with one of your connections or clients or friends that you were like interesting, even if it's like far out, just, just a use case that you thought was, or a chat that you thought was pretty cool. I mean, I mentioned before, like I'm dying to have like, you know, all of my personal, you know, things that I may lose <laughs> out there, like my birth certificate, my driver's license, you know, the, the, the title to my house, you know, having it be more of a secure thing that people can say, all right, this is this guy's. So that kind of stuff, it gets me excited, honestly, just about having security. Yeah, I would say a uh, realistic metaverse experience, uh, whether it's uh, a three-dimensional or two-dimensional, um, having something where it was immersive um, and felt, you know, uh, in real life. Yeah, I'd go with medical records. Uh, the fact that they're on a central database and it takes so hard, such a long process to be able to get your information from, say, Houston, Texas to South Africa if you get hurt. Uh, could save lives. One prediction for 2023. Bull market. Bull market. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the opposite. I think we're going to be in this little this little weird ground for the next you know year or so, uh, which is a good thing. This is the time to build. You know, I've said it publicly a lot that this is the time that you're going to see the best things come out of it. So uh, I want to keep it the way it is for the way. Miami becomes the most important city in the world. 2023. I love it. You're such a true Miami. I love it. I've been watching other episodes. I'm like, yes. Already <laughs> is the most important city in the world, but whatever. That's fair. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you guys? Anything you want to say to the community? Thank you for having us on the show. It was really great. This this hour flew by. Um, you know, check out Eleven Captains Club. Come visit the club. 
come down to Miami. Uh, great neighborhoods, great things happening, and uh, good things on the horizon. Yeah, I second that. I'm Matt Chris Adamo. I'm the ambassador to Miami as well. So if you're here, you give me a shout. I'm happy to make recommendations, connections, plan your visit, whatever. Kind of a, you can call me the tour guide. And I'm at Greg Norman, Greg Jr. Norman uh, on Twitter, uh, Europa Labs on Twitter as well. Um, I think the final thing I should say is that we all have a responsibility to teach safety protocols to everyone in Web3 so folks don't get scammed out there because we all know the horror stories that do take place and take the time to learn how to do this properly. This channel is intended purely for educational purposes and does not constitute financial or tax advice.